How do I navigate my faith and my recovery when I feel like I'm getting excommunicated from my church? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. Brandon, I haven't said in a while, but this is going to be a good one today. Uh, hey, I never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, man? Dude, I I woke up. I'm I'm doing my daily charge. I, I 6 a.m. woke up, went and ran three and a half miles. Um, just a typical day for me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you usually claim to be up at like 4 a.m. having gone to like our temple first and then done your scripture study before you go for the run and just to rub it in on how healthy you are. Yeah, yeah. But seriously, dude, like self-care is the bomb. Oh man. It's, it's the best, man. Dude, I had I had like the best. I know we're we're at the point we're at right now. It's Monday. I had the best weekend ever this weekend. And it started off with Friday night, I got this wild hair. I decided to take my daughter's fishing in the dark. We decided to go try to catch catfish in a place I'd never been before. Oh, I love that. And I love so catfishing. We we stayed at basically only caught two tiny little fish, but it wasn't about the fishing. It was about just the time with the kids. And yeah. then, then the very next day woke up and did like a seven mile hike up to the top of a mountain and then got back down. And that evening we went to the trash car races which is just like down home country America, like beauty, you know, like it was awesome, man. Like such a great weekend. So, 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 so you went catfishing, um, hiked a mountain and then went to the, like, whatever you called it. The you, trash you, car races. I, I, I joke with you about being total redneck, but you are. I, I told my daughters when I went to take them catfishing, I said, one of my goals this summer is to have a redneck summer. So well, you're living it, man. <laughs> so, Just don't get too addicted to the beers. <laughs> I said the only the only thing that the only thing that I haven't had as part of my redneck summer this weekend was was alcohol. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love it. Well, all right. Let's shift gears a little bit. We have an awesome guest today. Philip, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Uh, if you could just let us know kind of what's going on with you and then ask any questions that you have. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I'm, uh, I'm about eight and a half months into recovery. Um, it, it was, uh, initiated by a really, um, a really horrible discovery by my wife on, uh, shared photos and videos and, uh, me performing acts. And, um, I've been married for 21 years. Um, and I've had, um, sexual and lust addiction problems probably since I'm about 15. Um, early on, you know, um, sexual experience with um, a neighbor. And when I was about 12, before that, um, the victim of a lot of uh, pretty intense bullying on the playground and at school, um, a, a, a pretty rigid um, mother, as far as um, home life goes, and a pretty distant father. Um, but all, you know, they stayed married and, uh, you know, we had the perfect, you know, nuclear family, um, Christian existence of the outside world. And we maintained that, uh, that, um, that image, um, and, you know, so, so all of these things, a little bit of an enmeshment going on with the mother side and the distance with the father side. And then this 12 year old experience with, um, a couple of boys in my tent in the background in the summer when I was 12 years old, all led to um, what I see is is sort of the the building blocks of a same sex attraction. Um, and then as time went on, that that grew deeper and deeper into more addictive behaviors. So, um, you know, back when this all started, porn was not um, as readily available. This was in the in the um, 80s, 70s, and 80s when this all started. Um, and uh, but I, I drank in images wherever I could find. Them. And so, um, 
as as time went on, I went to college and jumped off into into the uh, uh, homosexual lifestyle, um, and and was very active. You know, a lot of partying, a lot of um, uh, bars, going out, hang clubbing, that kind of stuff, and and starting to really you know cruise for sex. Um, only only a few um, really you know, relationships, I would call them very short lived. It was always, um, always very anonymous. And, and, um, when I was 23, I kind of got sick of that life and moved, um, halfway across the country to New York. And, um, and the, one of the main motivators behind that was to leave that gay lifestyle behind me. Um, because I didn't want it. Um, I, uh, I, I, you know, my upbringing said, you know, that's not the right way to live your life. And, um, and so I, um, I, I wanted to leave it. And it, that was about that time when I first told somebody in my family that I was having same sex attraction, um, had no idea at that point that I also had an addictive problem. Um, just thought it was, you know, the way gay people are, they just have sex anywhere and everywhere. Um, and, um, and started, you know, so I reached out to one of my sisters and got some help and she hooked me up with a support group. Um, and I thought that was all I needed to do, that that would be enough. And certainly that support group was very helpful for me, but I never got any, you know, any therapy. And, um, and then I finally met a, a lovely young lady and I thought marriage would finish off the cure and it worked for about 20 minutes. And then I was back at it. Um, had a few discoveries along the way, which I minimized, covered up as much as possible. Um, certain things, obviously I couldn't cover up, but certain things I could, or I, or I could minimize. And I worked very hard to do that. And there was about three or four of those along the way. And that takes us up to September of 2022 when it was a hardcore discovery and you know my my acting out got progressively worse over the years um the uh the porn usage the frequency the type got increasingly um uh more more heavy more raunchy um and um and, and so it ultimately, you know, like the last year of all this, eh, maybe the last six months of all this, um, I was, I started using crystal meth and um, didn't use it a lot, but I used it. And um, I used it, you know, to, to, to play up the sexual experience because nothing would satisfy me anymore. And, um, and then uh, one time I made some videos of it and those videos is what my wife saw. And, um, I have two boys, two kids in the picture. So it's not just uh, two people involved. It's, it's the whole family, um, as well as many others that I've impacted by this lifestyle, this behavior. Um, and, um, the discovery happened and I met with, uh, my pastor. Um, who had been my pastor for just about a year. And I gave him a full download of everything that had been going on. And that was the first time in my life that I had ever been fully, fully honest with someone about everything. And it wasn't difficult for me to be honest, because I think I, 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 the intensity of that discovery the impact of it being kicked out of the house um, on the verge of losing my family really brought this home to a head and made it very real that, wow, um, I'm doing some really, really bad stuff here and really hurting people and hurting myself and still, you know, just, just getting the tip of the iceberg of what I was doing. Um, full-on download of my pastor. Pastor gave me um, a, a laundry list of things that he wanted me to start doing. Uh, get into a 12-step program, see a psychologist, see a psychiatrist, uh, be regular in attendance at church, 
um, because I was, you know, separated from my family, um, making sure that I made every effort to let my boys know that I'm their father. I love them. I'll always love them. And also to really get a regular time of, um, you know, quiet time with them and, and, you know, and reading the Bible with them and praying with them. Um, and a few other things that I can't recall right now, but, um, you know, I ticked off the list, man, I did it all. And it has, it has been in the last eight and a half, nine months, I've, I've experienced a lot of really, really good recovery. One of the things that happened with the church. um, So it's, it's a uh, church that doesn't really have, you know, any denominational affiliation. Church does not have any official membership. Um, and one day, um, this was, you know, post-discovery, uh, the, the, an announcement was made during the service, come to um, our membership meeting. And I was like, well, that's very interesting. There's no official membership. Let me go check this out. So I go, and it's, um, you know, the pastor was leading the meeting and he said, um, you know, the uh, church doesn't have membership because when you have membership, a lot of times you get people who come on Christmas and Easter and then you never see them. and what kind of membership is that? Rather, membership at this church looks like this. It looks like um, uh, regular involvement with uh, one of our small groups, which are our community groups that get together a couple times a month, maybe once a month um, in somebody's home. They'll be hosted. We'll get together, have, um, you know, have some time of, of study, Bible study together, have some time of uh, exchanging prayer requests, praying for each other. Um, and then outside of that, these small groups are designed to support each other. You know, somebody goes into the hospital, you bring food, you care for each other, um, and, and you take care of each other, you know, in, a, in, in the context of a much larger faith community. We all go to the same church, but this is a group of people who get to know each other and spend more time together. My wife and I were involved in one of these groups. And um, it was um, it was a group that was uh, mostly empty nesters. And my wife and I, we started having kids later in life. So, you know, we were some of the younger of those couples, but we still have kids. So we kind of fit in, but kind of didn't. Um, and um, when, when discovery happened and when I, you know, had this download with my pastor, um, I was asked to step down from going to that group. And um, the, it, it was never really explained to me why. And they said, you know, my wife, she can, she can continue to go, no problem. Um, but, you know, Philip, we want you to step back. And, and I was like, okay, I get that, you know. Um, you know, we wouldn't want to be coming to the group. We're separated. We're this huge thing. I totally get that. Um, but my wife didn't, um, have an interest in going alone. And so instead I went, right. And I went a couple of times and then I circled back to my pastor. I said, Oh, you know, by the way, um, Virginia's not interested in going, so I'm going to go to, to the meeting. And he said, Whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, 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 no. That's not what we discussed. Right. We asked you to step back. I'm like that. And you know, that was pretty clear. Okay. It's, it's, you know, they don't want me to go for whatever reason, leave it open for, for, for my wife to go. If she wants to go fine. Um, and that started really um, circulating inside of me and frustrating me. And because, you know, the only other option uh, for a small group that was um, offered to me was uh, meeting on Saturday mornings at a time and a place where I was not available to go. Um, and because um, it was, I that was an opportunity. My my wife worked on Saturday mornings, and and I had time to spend with my kids, and that was one of the rare opportunities. And one of the things that you know that my pastor said, you need to make sure you do spend as much time as you can with them. And so I said, no, I can't do that. Um, and and I asked many times after that, hey, you know, is there a small group that I can go to? I signed up on, um, you know, clipboards that we have in the lobby after church. I I spoke to the pastor, I spoke to the associate pastor and told them I, you know, I really wanted a group. And 
And they they mentioned, you know, a couple of the things that might happen as far as what kind of options might might be available. Um, but nothing really ever came to fruition. And um and 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 one of the peculiar things about that is the way that home groups in the church are really um, you know, there's a lot of commercials for it, right? So there's an announcement or there's a sign-up table or somebody gives a testimony about how being part of a group has changed their life and brought them in. And this is not available to me, right, in the church that I call my home from the pastor that I said, hey, you know, I when I gave my disclosure to him, I said, um, you know, I want to be under the discipline of the church. And, um, you know, one of the one of the conversations I had with um, some of the people in the church were with uh, the elder who ran the home group that I used to be a part of. And I said, guys, I need you to help me um, process what's going on. Why is it that there's no home group for me to participate in? Um, You know, what's going on? And, And I was given, you know, stories of like, oh, well, you know, the reason you couldn't continue to come to our group is is because it's a couples group. And, I was, and then I thought later, I thought that doesn't make sense because you said my wife could go by herself. So, so I negated that comment. And then I said, uh, you know, and they said, and also, you know, the prayer request time of the meeting is that we expect people to be very um, transparent and, and your prayer request would likely, you know, take a, take a, because of your what's going on in your life, your prayer request would take a lot of the focus. And I was like, That doesn't make any sense to me. Right. And so, so because nobody has said to me, we don't have a group for you, or we don't know how to handle your situation or, um, you know, nobody's, nobody's come clean. I don't feel like anyone has come clean and been honest with me about this. And it has left me in a, in a really difficult place such that I've actually gone to a different church now. I clicked twice on, you know, their website and within 48 hours, I was in a home group, a small group. Okay. And I've since in the last couple of weeks have since stopped attending that church to who the pastor to whom I gave my full download, because, you know, being faced with the importance of home group yet not being able to come in has made me feel like they don't want me. And I told the pastor this and he said, Oh, we love you. We want you but you've made some decisions in your life that have put you in a very difficult situation. And I sat and chewed on that for about six months after he said that and stayed in that church. And, you know, and I've had people in the church tell me, Oh, the church should be a hospital. You know, it shouldn't be clean up your act before you get here. But, but it, it, I get the impression at the end of the day, looking at like, I've got to clean up my act before they're going to let me fully be, part of this uh-huh. community. Tyler, do you have anything? I mean, the, <clears throat> first, Philip, like you have, I mean, we're going to touch on the church thing today, but there's a full story there that I really appreciate you sharing. That's been quite the journey for you. Um, so, so there's, it's interesting that kind of what you're bringing up, but I just want to make sure I'm clear that I'm understanding this right, that you actually had some respite in the practice of what you did by finally speaking honestly with the church leader. And you got feedback with like this thing of what to do. And you did all of those things. And those things actually helped you in your recovery. If I, if I heard that right. Absolutely. And so, and so on one hand, it's got to, I'm guessing if I'm in your shoes, there's a little bit of confusion that's got to be going on that I am following the protocol of what the discipline of my church would be. If, you know, I put discipline in quotes there, just, and, and I'm yielding a benefit at the same time that that discipline actually feels like it's working counter to, to what I'm hoping to do as I grow forward and move back into this sort of like, um, what's, what would be the right word? Like reconciliation with, with my church. Um, and so there's kind of like this weird friction going on where on one hand, there's been some help. And on the other hand, there's been some real frustration and some struggle and you felt ostracized. That's right. Is, is that right? Okay. Absolutely. That's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, I, 
I'm trying to simmer my counter transference here. Um, I, <laughs> I knew this, that. I knew this nerve would get hit, Brandon. Yeah. You're hitting nerves with me, Philip. Yeah. And, and, and the, it's interesting because I'm in Utah, right? So pretty much most people are religious and they go to different, they call them wards here. They go to a different ward and at each ward, there's a different Bishop. And so uh, my clients come in, a lot of times they're being referred um, to here from their bishops sometimes. Um, and Tyler and I, for years and years and years, have heard stories of leaders in churches either being awesome and like really stepping in and helping, just helping the process of Christ healing. And, and also we've heard stories, tons of them, of church leaders being the like really destructive, uh, really problematic and uh, prideful and judgmental and all those things. So there's a, there's a, there's a spec, there's a definitely a continuum there of whoever happens to be kind of the leader of that church then depends on how well that, that person gets some help from the church. And in my, in my years of doing this and living in this culture and, and even my own personal journey, I've learned how to separate the church and the church leaders from God and from spirituality. And so for you, I want to ask you, Philip, um, do you look to church to validate kind of your spirituality and relationship with God? You know, um, I, I, through this, you know, I mean, I've had many conversations about this with a lot of different people. I've discussed it with my wife, with my therapist. And, um, you know, and, and it makes me wonder, you know, if perhaps I, I don't equate, you know, my standing with the church, my acceptance with the church, my uh, ability to, uh, you know, be a part of the church community. And, 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 and what I desire in that church community is not just, you know, going to church and, and taking communion together, but to have intimate fellowship with uh, members of the church, right. people with whom I could, you know, find um, maybe one person that I could be really, really honest with about everything that I've gone through. Um, to me, that would be like the ultimate. And, um, and so, you know, without that, it, yeah, it does make me feel like a second class citizen and somebody who's, you know, perhaps not, not because, because the importance that's placed on it of, of this, you know, being involved in community and, and it's not just this church that puts a lot of emphasis on it. You know, I, for the last 20 years of church life that I've had, there's been a huge emphasis on not being a consumer Christian and being involved in community. And so that's really important to me. And so, yeah, so not having it available is like, I, I, I'm just not quite, I'm not able to fully participate in the body of Christ. But yet, David, you've realized that they were not um, making that available for you. Um, you. I think your work here is realizing that that wasn't available for you. And your work is to let go of those feelings that you might have toward them for doing that and not being honest with you. Because you have done a big piece of the work, which is, you know what, I need to make a shift. If I can't get what I want here at this church in terms of it helping me connect to God, then I'm going to make a change. And you made that change, which probably wasn't easy, but you got honest with yourself that this wasn't working here for me. So I'm going to go here to really find that. Right. And now the work is to let go of the feelings that you might have back toward that church for it. It, it, it makes no sense to me, Philip, either. Why, why at church would they shun the sinner? Like, and, and I don't know if that's what they were doing because I don't know their hearts. Exactly. I don't know them. But in our culture, too, it happens at times. They shun the sinner. They excommunicate the sinner. They push the sinner aside. They don't let the sinner participate in church and all these things. You can shun the sin without shunning the sinner. And, and 
it doesn't make sense why they would do that, Philip. But if they did, they did. And now, and now what's your options, right? What, what's in your control now? And that's to shift and to go somewhere else. So I'm glad that you have Tyler, any thoughts? Oh man, I got so many thoughts. I, I, I'm going to try to organize them in a way that is beneficial. Um, the first, the first thing is, is kind of where you're going, Brannon, that, um, that whole shun the sin, not the sinner, I think is an important aspect. And I want to just first go back all the way to where you're at, Brannon, um, when you started. I, in any church, we, especially if you have a church with some kind of a lay ministry, but any church, you have different leaders with different sort of personalities and also different kinds of value systems. And you're going to get a wide range of things, but this is a delicate thing. And this is kind of like a hard situation because, you know, when I went to a church leader at one point, I deserved some type of what I thought would be church discipline. And I was willing to accept that church discipline as part of what I would call a repentance process. And instead, what I got was straight mercy and completely letting everything go. Compassion. And it was, it was exactly what I needed in the moment. And I got it. And I felt so fortunate because something broke inside of me. And I was like, whoa, like, you want me to be where in, in the temple tomorrow? Like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, you need to be there tomorrow. And I went home and I told my wife that. And of course my wife was like, no way. Like, give me his, I'm calling him right now. You know, like, but so for me, but then I sit in, in like groups with other guys and they go to a church leader and they actually get the whole book thrown at them. And they're like, you know, they get excommunicated. They get, they, they lose all their privileges in the church for a period of time. And they'll look me in the face and they'll say, that's exactly what I needed. Like, that that was that kind of that kind of helped me to see what I was doing, and it helped me to realize that I wanted to turn around and and for whatever reason that approach by a different church leader for them was the right situation. And then I'll have another guy in group that's like my my situation was exactly like yours, and it's not what I needed. Like it's actually really a struggle for me. And so I, I do think there needs to be at least some room for grace for the fact that whoever the church leader is. If we looked at it from the perspective first of they're doing the best they can, they might get it wrong, but but it at least starts to temper the feelings that will get attached to a church leader and then a church and then a relationship with God. And all of those things get pressed and mushed together. And that's where we get stuck so often when in reality, what I believe is the case is, is that First and foremost, the building block is my relationship with God. My relationship with God might move me to a place of being engaged with some kind of a church. And that church should hopefully be in the context of me continuing to cultivate my relationship with God. And my interaction with whatever that leader is, is in the context of my relationship with God first instead of the other way around. And sometimes those things get twisted upside down and then it gets really hard because now now my church is getting in the way of my relationship with God. And now I see them as all one and the same when in reality, they're not the same things. Mm -hmm. So again, I don't know if that makes sense or not, if that's confusing, Philip, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, it totally resounds with me, you know, and, and I think that, um, you know, um, you know, with time I've, I've gotten a little bit better at, you know, because because my experience was was neither throw the book a hundred percent nor was it a hundred percent total mercy and you know keep going like you were. Um, I had, I think I had the come to Jesus in my own heart, like hello yeah. that I didn't need, you know, an awakening by the church. I had it. You you already have it. Love, inside. love it. I yeah. had that. Yeah, but um, you know, it just it, it got to a point where it was just you know. Um, unbearable for me to be there because um and i do think that i was getting you know the 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 church mixed up with you know all right wh who am i with god right where do i stand with god and and getting um understanding of his grace and his mercy towards me you know that is that is you know un unending flow right um, and, and, you know, we, when I think about my conversation with my pastor who said, we love you, we want you here, but you've made that, 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 
you know, it's it, 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 to me what I'm what I'm coming to understand there is that there's a level of, you know, look, I understand some, you know, uh, some pastors have the shepherding bone and it's stronger than others, right? Mm-hmm. My pastor's a great minister of the gospel, right? Awesome. That's why I chose that church. Um, but I've experienced there's kind of a lack of his ability to lovingly guide and shepherd. He was able to give me a nice long list and for several weeks checked with me to see how I was doing with that list. Um, but you know, the the I guess the 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 loving kindness, compassion that I need from him I wasn't getting. I I think uh Kyle, I have a uh, so much to say again, Philip. You're you're hitting right on stuff we deal with all the time. Um, me personally, one of the, and, and the way I word this, like, notice what I say here. One of the most profound things that happened in my life for me to really create some deep, real connection with God was when I when I lost trust in church leaders. When I when I and and, and what I mean by that is, uh, let me say that differently. When I didn't give the church leaders um, all of my everything, all of my power, all of my everything to determine my truths and my relationship with God. So seeing church leader after church leader, in my opinion, screw up was really good for me because then then I had to stand on my own two feet. Um, I had to sort this out with God. I had to wrestle. And then I saw church leaders do really awesome stuff. And it was like, good for them. but but they're men, they're doing their thing. They're figuring it out. Right. And, and when a church leader spoke, it wasn't just Kate, I will follow gospel truth. They tell me what is they, you know, it's, Oh, interesting. Hmm. I can listen and then I can wrestle and I can figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, and, and Tyler, it's kind of what you were saying you know, sometimes people need a bit more justice and people need a bit more mercy. And I think Christ taught about this principle over and over and kind of, you know, Christ was definitely a figure of mercy. And, but Tyler, this is what I don't understand. And if I can just kind of complain for a minute and, (laughs) and, and Philip, I think you can relate to this. I don't think justice is that when somebody who is seeking um, participation, connection, love, support. I do not believe that justice is served by pushing them away and pushing them out. I don't think that's what Christ would do in order for just now the things that you've done, Philip, there's consequence for those things, right? The hurting your wife and the betrayals and there's consequence. You have to deal with those consequences, right? And, and if you face those consequences and you deal with them, then justice will be served. I don't know if if we have to bring in, oh, and oh, by the way, you're thrown to the wayside when it comes to church in order for justice to be served. I actually think it that that just gets in the way of mercy and love. So, I, 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 Brennan, you know, you're totally hitting the nail on the head. And the, the my major problem with this, uh, this is exactly what I have been flipping around and, and, you know, toying with is this idea of like, okay. I get it. I've made some, his words resounding in my head. You've made some mistakes that have put you in a difficult, okay. I'm in a difficult situation. Absolutely. God help me to be patient with this process. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm spending so much time and energy and focus on, on the process outside of church. Church has nothing to do with what I'm talking about right now. So much, you know, negative outcome in the rest of my being, my life, my wife, my family, my extended family, my thinking about my professional growth or lack thereof, and how this has just totally infiltrated every part of my being, you know, that I feel like, you know, to have to deal with feeling like you're thrown out of church for what, or, that's a strong word. I wasn't thrown out of church, but to feel like you're set aside um, on top of it, when, when what they have put, what, what is put in front of you is connecting is, is mentioned all the time, yet you're not given a real reason behind why you're not, and you're not given an opportunity to go to another option. 
you know, it's like, it's like, do I need this as well? I agree with you hundred percent, you know, and that's where the church comes, the hospital thing comes into play. You know, you don't, you don't get your broken leg fixed before you go to the emergency room. You go and they give you the medication and the treatment that you need and you begin recovery with their continuum of healthcare support. Right. Not, not, not go split your leg and then come back and see us. Right. Yeah, that, I, I hear you 100%. And I, given your situation, Philip, you can kind of see, like, I can totally see and feel your frustration. And Brandon, you know, I get it too. I feel your frustration. I feel that for a lot of my other clients too. Um, for the sake of adding to the conversation and hopefully not having both of you guys want to kill me, I'm going to maybe add a different perspective on that too. Um, if oh, that's I, all can't, right. I can't wait, but we don't have time. <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So I'm going to use this and this is, I don't, Philip, for your situation, I don't know that you actually got what I'm going to say right now. So I can see why you're frustrated, but overall, if you look at the church and the way that church discipline is supposed to happen in most churches, any form of formal church discipline, I think should at least come from the basis of trying to help the person who's going through the discipline to go and do whatever they need to do to restore themselves through the process of repentance to good standing with, you know, ultimately with Christ and then therefore with the church. Right. So if that's, and this is, this is something that I might check in with my, your church leader is if, if that's the actual basis by which they're doing these things, because they're not giving you straight answers and they're not doing it in conjunction with you and your repentance process, which seems like, to me, that's a whole other issue that needs to be addressed with that church leader. Um, but if that's the case, then there's nothing wrong sometimes for some people to spend some time in the wilderness because that's how they come to know God. And I'll give you an example of this. Uh, I, I've had the opportunity in our church to be in different sorts of like leadership positions where I've had to sit in on certain church discipline kinds of meetings. And uh, one particular I sat in on was a man who had been excommunicated from the church. And it had been a year, I think a year and a half after his excommunication, he was coming back in to be reinstated into like good standing in the church. And in this meeting, he got a chance to speak about his journey and his process. And he talked about what it felt like to, to sort of go through the process that he went. But what I loved about what he said is he sat around the room and he looked at the leaders, everyone up, the whole, all the leaders that were there. And he said, I love every one of you guys, but what you think of me means nothing to me because in the process that I've been in, I've come to realize that I am loved by Christ. I know where I stand with him. I know where I stand with God. I love this church, but honestly, you guys' opinions of me don't matter anymore. And when I heard that, I was like, that is awesome. Like are, you, back, are you saying that happened because they excommunicated him? I'm saying that he went through a process where he, and there's a couple other things I want to mention to this too. Part of the process of having been excommunicated is, is that he had to go and actually wrestle with his own faith, with his own relationship with God, because there was nothing left for him to, to buffer that from, right? The other part, the other part that goes with church discipline sometimes is that this is what's so interesting about church discipline is, Philip, you would be subjecting yourself to church discipline of your own free will and choice, of your own mm -hmm. fruition. Like people, people go to their church leaders of their own choice and say, hey, look, I feel terrible about what's going on in my life. I want to get things in order, right? And so it's this weird thing where like then somebody turns back around and gives some kind of discipline or punishment. And then we're like, oh, yuck. Like it's like, but but you, you don't have to do that anyway. Like you could just go to another church like you did if you want, you know? Um, but there's principles inside of that repentance process with church discipline that I think are also valuable sometimes when it's done right. And it's that I get a chance to practice willingness, acceptance, humility. And I don't mean shame-based stuff, but honestly, the cultivating and changing of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And sometimes the discipline that the church offers when it's done right 
is the sort of like, it's sort of the the structure that allows for me to demonstrate the willingness, the humility. Like for Philip, to you, for you to do what you did, you went through this list. I got it all written down. That took humility, 12-step psychologist, psychiatrist, regular church, time with your boys, time doing spiritual things with your boys, all of those things, you had to keep a broken heart and a contrite spirit for those things to be beneficial. And what the church discipline did was offer you that opportunity to practice those things. Now, I'm not saying the church leader was right and how he handled it, and I get your pain, but those are also points to why church discipline is in place. Mm. You know, and here's my, here's my response to that. I agree with you. Um, you know, that as I look back, you know, hindsight that, um, you know, maybe if being part of a home group during the, during the height of that time, you know, cause like the pink cloud burst and, it was like hello yeah. reality eventually, right? Sure. But um, during the height of that, yeah, I totally get that. But that that you know that could have been a distraction that I didn't need. Um, yeah. And but 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 it was never you know like laid out for me like hey this is a part of the plan. Here's another piece of the plan. This long list is you need to refrain from going because. Uh, you need to dry out, yes. right? In a lot yeah. of different fronts. And so, you know, I think you guys, if that would have been presented and I wouldn't have been left to like churn and churn and churn yes. on why that. So, so it leads me to believe that, you know, that they kind of just didn't know exactly what to do. Cause listen, I live in a very affluent, wealthy community where I'm sure there's, you know, the statistics of, you know, 50% of the guys in the church have a porn addiction problem is very true, you know, um, and, and not a lot of uh, really transparent, authentic relationships. These people have got a lot at risk, right? They're well-known, they're millionaires, billionaires, whatever they are. Um, and, and, you know, it's small communities, right? Yeah. Very small communities. They've got a lot at risk to be transparent with somebody. I get that. Um, and so I, I think that, and, and I told my pastor, I said, look, I am available to anyone who comes to you, who is in the similar situation, who needs just a friend to talk to. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm willing, so happy to hear that you're willing to serve in the church. And I said, by the way, how often does this happen? He's like, yeah, doesn't happen. <laughs> and I said to him, you know, the statistics, right? You know, a very intelligent pastor. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know. And I said, you know, the statistics among pastoral leadership, too, right? Yeah, I know that, you know. <laughs> and and so it's like, it's like, okay, so somebody needs to give these guys a safe place to go, right? Uh, yes. But, yep. but Fairfield County, Connecticut gets in the way. Yeah. Right. Um, That's what, and, and this is part of what I turn with, you guys. I get it. I see, I, me, I see it, man. Philip, I think the big miss there is what you're saying is that I think they were scared to be honest with you. I think, yeah. I, you know, and, and like to, to be honest, to lay things out there, they can't show up in love and compassion and support and connection with you. If they can't look you in the face and say, this is some of our fears and this is where we're struggling. And this is like really to be that open and honest with you. Um, I, I do want to come back. Tyler, to what you said, which is there's principles I agree with there. Before um, you do that, Brandon, I just want to, while uh, Philip's on his, just very quickly, Philip, seeing the passion you're speaking with, and I agree with you, this is, and I'm like my judgment matters anyway, but that's exactly what went wrong with your pastors is that they weren't honest and forthright with you about the process of your own repentance. And they kept giving you these sideways things. And as you sift through that, you might be offering them a real gift to go and have that conversation with them in the future. I need to. Yeah. I need to. Okay, go ahead, Brandon. I, I think that, you know, it, this whole thing of like, you know, they send me out in the wilderness and it blesses my life. I think it comes back to no matter what happens in our lives, it can turn into a blessing. So if they hug me with open arms and then that, that blessed my life, if they send me out and, and to flounder and figure it out on my own, that can bless my life. Um, I've Tyler, I've sat in disciplinary councils myself and, you know, I've never been the leader or whatever, making the decisions. I've been the peon in the corner. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I've also been one guy invited me to come as his therapist to, to advocate and speak on his behalf. Um, so I've done that as well. Um, but it was interesting. This leader, he, I, he had a great heart. He had good intentions and this kid had made some mistakes and he was like, well, he's going to be on probation. And so now he can't speak in church. Now he can't say prayers in church. He can't partake of the sacrament. Like we're going to make sure that, that those are the things that he can't do because, and, and so I'm listening and I'm, and it's this young kid. And, and I just stopped him for a minute and I said, Hey, Bishop, like, what about this? Like, what if we had him do double? Like, what if we asked him twice as much to give the prayer in church and to speak? And like, like, what if we, we really brought him in and want, gave him, instead of not give him any calling at church, gave him a calling. Um, and that could be his probation. And it was almost like his automatic setting in his mind was to push him out and push him yeah. away yeah. And, and, and to keep him at a distance because he's dangerous versus like let's look at like what christ would do this kid had a good heart he wasn't going to hurt anybody philip you had a good heart you were trying to get involved in heck most churches they look for guys like you that want to get involved because they're they're, yeah, yeah they're not they're hard to find and and so i just think yes justice needs to be had i get it all that stuff but at the same time, I believe Christ himself was first and foremost, you know, when they wanted to stone the the adulterer, what did he say? Yeah. You know, ye who have casted the, you know, like you who have never sinned, cast the first stone. Yeah. Mercy, mercy, right? Yeah. Love, mercy, acceptance. Your sins are forgiven thee. Like grace, it's that, that's where it begins. And then justice has to be there too, but justice is not lying to people. It's not, it's not, not having the guts to have a hard conversation. So Philip, to, to summarize this, I think your frustrations are valid. Um, but I do want to say to you, Philip, now it's up to you to let those stew, to hold that resentment, to turn this into something bigger. And now you can suffer from this. This is your choice now whether you want to suffer from this or learn how to let it go, move forward and learn from it. Right. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. This was, um, you know, when I started doing 12 step and got into naming all of my resentments, this was like one of the top things, right. Yeah. Of, of a resentment yeah. that I identified that I've, um, I have had to, it's kept me in this step, <laughs> keep revisiting this step because it's not going away. And every Sunday, I go to church and it just like comes yeah. back to life. Yeah. And so, yes, I am very much of aware that I need to ensure that this does not become a resentment. And and don't let it affect your relationship with God. Let it strengthen yeah. your relationship with God and help you feel more peace with God and connection. I like what you said there, Branna, and like a couple of things. And I, I think I'm in more agreement than maybe I've appeared to on this episode with you guys, but what I think you're getting at, Brandon, and I think this is what happens is is that we think that the only we think that the only tool in our arsenal as as a church leader is is the discipline justice side of things. When in reality, if the main goal was the heart of the repentant sinner, so to speak, we would have the, at our disposal the mercy side as much as the justice side, and then that would feel a lot more. We, we would have a bigger toolbox to work with it. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's what I hear you saying. And and sometimes that mercy side gets thrown out and then you use those examples. I think of Christ when he's, you know, they come to him and they're like, Hey, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And what does he do? He turns around and heals a dude right in front of them all, you know, like, you know, like, you know, like, um, like, so I get that point of view. And I think that that's maybe where it goes wrong. But I, the, the key element to me, Brandon, is what you said earlier is that the, the person who's striving to have their heart in line with their higher power, who's seeking to find their identity through their relationship with God and Christ is the person that takes anything that comes through the church and somehow makes it good because that, they, Philip's pastor is a great teacher for him. Oh man, like, what Phillip's, a guy! And, and, He's and doing guess his what? Job. 
Philip is going to be such a gift to his pastor. Yes. Like, you know, like that's, that's the beauty of it. If you choose to have eyes to see that perspective, but it's, that's where I, where I get sad for people is, is that they let the church become the stumbling block to their faith. Yeah. And instead of letting their faith be the thing that dictates how they respond to the church, whatever it is. Yeah. And, and that's the hard work. And I see it, Philip, I could see it on your face, the wrestle you're having, like, good for you, man. Like you are a freaking stud, Philip. Like you're, you're (laughs) awesome. Like Brandon wasn't kidding that every church would die to have a guy that's like showing up and going like, Hey, give me more to do. Like, you know, I want to be involved. I want the, what is it? There's a scripture that says the church should meet together off to fast and to pray and to speak one with another concerning the welfare of their souls. And the truth Mm. is, is that many churches get together to speak, to to fast and to pray and to speak about other people's souls. Mm -hmm. And um, man, what would a, what would a real church be like if people showed up to speak about their own souls in an authentic, real, genuine way? And you're that kind of a guy and you're going to be a gift to any church that allows you to be a participant, Philip. Thank you. So this has been awesome. This has been a good discussion. We could go on. Yeah, man. Philip, what are you feeling right now? How how are you feeling about having come on today? Uh, Yeah. um, You know, I think that um, this has helped to order thoughts in my head, um, order things that, you know, that I've, suspected um and that have needed you know to bounce off and hear somebody else kind of come to some of the same conclusions that have been one of the options in my head um so yeah that's um that makes me feel uh more grounded and calm um it also you know just just the the talk about you know not letting this you know become a uh uh, a roadblock for me in my in my relationship with Christ is uh, you know just a really solid reminder. Thank you. You offered everybody who's listening a gift today, Philip. So thank you. Thank you so much, Philip. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. We'll see you.